All right, we're live. All right, it's episode seven already. So seven wow. <laughs> of Hebrews and Talks. Welcome, everyone. Um, I guess uh, today I just have the plain old mug. I think oh, this is what I, I started out with. Yeah, this is what All I right. started. This is what the first episode, right? So it's back to uh, back to the basics. So I got just a plain white mug for us. And I have the Hebrews it mug. How does Jesus make his coffee? He brews it. I'm drinking water, good old water. You got to stay hydrated. So that's right. Uh, I have water too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, just to kind of lay out the format for today, um, PSK is going to do the uh, devotion from Hebrews, as always. And we're going to talk about this is ministry for, for the foreseeable future. And uh, today, the, I guess the title of today's uh, primary segment is Expect the Unexpected. I guess things that you don't think about when you go into ministry uh, that happens in real life mm -hmm. that you don't really think about. We'll just go over that. I'm sure we have some funny stories we'll share about things that we have to do. Um, and then we'll, we have a Christian news segment. Um, and then we have a reaction to a pretty famous sermon illustration. Um, and then that's how we'll close off the show. So I guess without further ado, we'll go right into the devotion. All right, Hebrews chapter 2, one verse, verse 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 says, this is God's word, for because he himself, referring to Jesus, has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Mm. Pretty straightforward verse, um, but at the same time, also I feel like it's not something that we really think about. When we think about Jesus' suffering, we think about we either think, oh, like he's the son of God. And so uh, his life, his short life here on earth, 30, 33 years or so on earth, it was very easy for him to be mm. perfect. And, um, and, and then towards the end, it was really hard when he had to be you know, arrested and betrayed and mm. mocked and beat and crucified and killed uh, and buried. But actually, that's not true. You know, when you think about Jesus, uh, the the crazy thing about Hebrews is it exalts Jesus, his nature and the glory he deserves. And, and, it's, and, and then it starts to paint him in this, in this way where um, for a little while he was made uh, lesser than the angels in some ways, at least in, in form. And uh, you're supposed to see, you're supposed to be humbled mm -hmm. that, you know, the, that, the, that the creator, that God, uh, he became lesser than the angels. He took on right. flesh like us. And with that being said, he went through things that we go through today. He yeah. went through knee scrapes. He mm -hmm. cried a lot probably growing up uh, from experiencing physical pain, uh, mental pain, and uh, loss. And mm -hmm. he had to go through puberty, and mm -hmm. he had to go through bodily changes. And, yeah. and this, is all, this is all in the perspective of him being the creator, mm -hmm. him being God. And uh, another thing that he went through was temptation. Mm -hmm. um, not simply just in the wilderness, those 40 days and 40 nights, but like he, he went through temptation his entire life. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, this is encouraging in many ways, uh, in many layers. Uh, but the fact that he not only saves us, but he experienced temptation himself mm -hmm. is encouraging for those of us who are uh, living here on this earth as his sons and daughters, as Christians. Uh, because not only are we saved, but we actually have a king who, who lived out sanctification in a sense. Not that he had to be made holy, but that he actually went through uh, what it felt like to, to battle flesh. Mm -hmm. um, and he succeeded. And uh, though we fall, uh, we fall the king that never fell. And uh, it's encouraging in the sense that he encourages us to actually be faithful and to flee temptation, to, to fight the enemy. Um, but also that when we do fall, we follow a king who, who was victorious. Um, and so um, there's no other king like Jesus. Amen. Uh, I see that in our, in, our, in our devotional today in this one verse. Yeah. But that's good. I think that's true. Like we often just think about the suffering he had on the cross. We also suffered through temptation. Never fell for temptation, obviously. Mm. But uh, he overcame. Uh, so he can help us too. He knows exactly what we're going through. Yeah. Right. Um, I guess going into our primary segment, uh, talking about ministry, uh, last week, last week we talked about our calling, 
I shared kind of our testimony of how we got started to ministry. And I guess at that time, when we first get called, right. like, I, I don't know about PSK, I could speak for myself. I thought, man, it'd be so great. I get to like shepherd people, mm-hmm. disciple them, take care of them, pray for them, encourage yeah. them and help them to grow spiritually. And then also like preach and do these things. I get to study God's word and teach it to my flock. And mm-hmm. that was all great. Right. But then like, you know, once we enter ministry, we realized, yes, those things we do do, do those things. But there are also things that caught us off guard thinking like, oh, I had no idea that this was also part of ministry. And that's kind of like where we're going with what mm-hmm. we're uh, with this uh, segment. Right. Um, yeah. If, if you want to start us off with. Yeah, no. <laughs> something. <laughs> Expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. First of all, I think we should say uh, just our quick two cents on the fact that um, ministry is great. Yeah. Right? Like there's nothing else in the world that yeah. I'd rather be doing. And that's from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. I could, if somebody presented to me like what your life would have been if you achieved your dreams as an actor and uh, you, uh, you, you know, you, you've achieved fame and glory, mm-hmm. wealth and all these different things, I would still choose the humble life of yeah. being a shepherd uh, of God's people. And so we're not like, you know, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not being pessimistic or, or seeking pity or, or whatever it is. Um, but, but yeah, there are a lot of unexpected things when it comes to ministry, things that nobody thinks about yeah. going into it. Uh, unless I guess like, I think I feel I'm you're a PK, right? Yeah. P, like, did you, did you see like some of these things coming so, like, because you, you experienced it in the household? Oh yeah. Before I answer that, like, <laughs> I think what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish with this little segment is, uh, just giving you a realistic picture of yeah. what ministry is like. Right. So like PSK said, we embrace all of it. I mean, I love all yep. of it. I, we're not, it's not like a venting session saying like, I can't believe I'm doing this. No, like it's an honor and privilege. Really? Yeah. I feel like that, like to be mm-hmm. able to serve the church in all these different ways. Yeah. And I guess, uh, for me, it's kind of different because I didn't start my life as a PK, right? My Ooh. dad was into heating See. and air. Uh, he was a technician. He was making a lot of money. We had a nice big house. Uh, and then when I was in middle school was when my dad got his calling into ministry. Wow. Um, and then when I was a freshman in high school was when he got ordained uh, and became, you know, officially became a pastor. So it's a little bit different for me, but uh, I would say... When my dad was working as or serving as an associate pastor at this church, I didn't really get to see much. One, because I was in youth group at the time. So I didn't get to see all the like behind the scenes stuff that he went through. I just knew that he was away from home for a long time, just mm-hmm. being at church, taking care of various things, meetings, uh, visitations, etc. cetera. Uh, but it wasn't until um, I got to work with my dad so when he moved when we when our whole family moved to charlotte that's from last week's episode uh and i got my calling there as a pastor um or into ministry and we didn't have a youth uh minister or pastor or anyone director at the time so they had me come out kind of join in uh it started out as just like a volunteer basis a youth director and then the agreement was until we find a youth pastor right i'll just kind of fill that role um, obviously I couldn't preach cause I wasn't in seminary. So we had another pastor from another church, American guy, pastor Joel. I still remember, uh, he came and he would just preach during the, the service and that was it. That's all he did. Mm. Uh, and everything else I took care of Bible studies, events, fellowship nights, all those things, lock-ins, all that mm. stuff. Um, but then like the search took so long that eventually the church decided, Hey, uh, let's just have, you know, um, the PK me. Just kind of take over as the, the youth uh-huh. uh, youth pastor while I'm doing seminary, mm-hmm. and um, so it was like paid. It wasn't very much, but it was a paid position. So from then on, I got to see a little bit because I was attending like the staff meetings right. and going into what my dad was. I got to really see firsthand what my dad was dealing with. Uh, it was great church, like great opportunity. Everything was great, but I also at the same time I saw man, this ministry is also. Um, there's a lot of things that might that, that are hard. Right? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that are difficult. There are challenges too. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah. So like I said, I didn't start out as a PK. So all of that, I didn't know until I actually worked or served with my dad at that church in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so that's kind of like my yeah, experience before actually going to ministry, but mm. yeah. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that part about your story. Mm-hmm. That you were always just a PK. No. Okay, interesting, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think from my perspective, um, again, I'm, I'm still pretty new to ministry. Um, going into two years now, actually in five days is my two-year mark. Mm. Um, but um, even in those short two years, just uh, unexpected things. Going mm. into ministry, my dad told me I mean, we talked a bit, little bit about this last episode too, but he was telling me like, he was making jokes, saying like, you think it's easy being a pastor, like it's super hard. My mom cried when she heard that I was, <laughs> I was getting called because she knew how hard it would be. Yeah. I thought they meant like, I knew it would be hard, but I thought they meant, they meant like, oh, like preparing for sermons is hard and, mm. and uh, the studying is hard mm. and, and whatnot. But um, no, like things like um, the number of, of chairs that you have to... You have to fold and stack <laughs> and like these little things you never think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people usually think about like, like you were saying, like preaching mm-hmm. and teaching and uh, hanging out with your congregation and forming relationships, mm-hmm. studying and teaching the Bible for a living. Like, mm-hmm. and of course these things are true. I just got back from retreat uh, this past weekend, uh, this earlier this week. And, uh, and it was amazing. It was my first retreat ever. And I loved it. Right. Like, uh, meeting new youth kids and it really was you know what if i think back on it like what i was expecting right like yeah. the uh, all the rush and the adrenaline the joys of ministry uh purely just preaching and teaching and hanging out right. not really dealing with you know the things they handle with mm-hmm. they, they uh they deal with back home mm-hmm. um but yeah things like you know stacking chairs and um the endless meetings that you have and um yeah, I don't know, I'm drawing a blank, but like there's so many things that you don't really think about going into ministry. Yeah. Uh especially like the behind the scenes stuff. Um when we prepare for events, so like not this current church but the previous churches I've been at. Mm. Uh you know, we have like uh different things going on. So then stage setup, uh, like all right. this like getting people to um do play different roles to make sure that the whole event or uh program or revival or worship service goes smoothly mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes work to make sure that from start of worship uh to the end uh there are no hiccups right, right. so even all that getting all that stuff ready contacting different people um uh, like annual events you know I, I think every church has something that goes on around halloween christmas. so that and christmas right. and thanksgiving Halloween, especially because, you know, uh, a lot of parents don't want their children participating in uh, the Halloween uh, uh, holiday. So the church has to provide an alternative. Mm -hmm. So a lot of planning going on with that Uh, every year, new ideas, uh, different things to attract children. Um, And then I think just daily tasks um, of like going to buy furniture that we may need. Or yeah, a lot of errand running. A lot of errand running. Um, right. Just cleaning, which, you know, like, um, I think that's, Im- of course, like uh, sermon prep and teaching, uh, shepherding, uh, that should be priority number one. Yeah. But all these other things, too, what I realized from doing it over time was uh, it was just a way for me to love the church and serve the church. Mm-hmm. If that meant sweeping the floor, if that meant vacuuming, if that meant, I don't know, picking up trash, uh, all those things. Uh, I look back now, it was more like it was training me to love the church more. Mm. So it might sound menial, like meaningless. No one's gonna, no one's gonna like acknowledge you. Oh, you know, thank you so much for right, vacuuming yeah. or sweeping. No one would even notice. Actually, mm-hmm. they notice when things are dirty, but they're not gonna notice when something's you know clean. super clean. Yep. So even though it's behind the scenes, you know, you know, behind the scenes, and no one you know acknowledges it. Um, it just with a thankful heart with a joyful heart actually yeah. uh it's just second nature when i see something like that too so um there are those things too right a lot of church building maintenance stuff right uh vehicle maintenance stuff mm-hmm. um prepping for different uh events or programs we have going on uh, getting ready for sunday worship there's a lot of things aside from the the sermon that needs to be that needs to get done so that everything runs smooth right um and then on top of that, there are like uh, emergency situations that happen just mm-hmm. out of the blue. Something yep. happens to a to one of your your sheep, 
and it's just like totally catches you off guard mm-hmm. uh, and then you know you have to try to um there was your schedule off track and <laughs> like uh yeah like it's, it's that's a, that's my thing like my point like it's it's like you're it's unrecognized like mm-hmm. these little uh miscellaneous things that we're talking about mm-hmm. and which is which is fine uh, but when it like piles up, even the things that you were excited about going into ministry, like preaching, sermon prep, like those things become like even taxing because like they can, it, it, it can, right? Yeah. It can strip the joy out of these things. And I remember once uh, I might have brought brought this up before, but like I've had people like tell me like, um, man, you you're living the life. Like your job is literally to mm-hmm. read the Bible and play with kids. Mm-hmm. And I was so furious as soon as it as soon as they said that because like because of these these different things yeah. that that they don't see behind the scenes and like that can really that can be a real temptation because they, they they don't see it and so yeah. uh, they don't know the things that you're doing or even like the things that they know that we're doing like sermon prepping they don't understand like mm-hmm. how much work goes into that like you can be really lazy doing yeah. these things. Um, yeah, that's that's so very true. Uh, even like, um, and I've I've a may, maybe possibly like an interesting take on this, but like the uh, the suffering of of the church, it really becomes your own. Mm-hmm. Like as an overseer, when you oversee, when you have responsibility over a people, like maybe the hardest thing about being a pastor is taking on the burdens and the suffering of your of your sheep, your flock, and and becoming your own. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you think like what is the distinction between like that kind of unexpectedness in ministry like uh, the hardships and the suffering the funerals as opposed to like the the minor i guess like minor like things that you got to do day to day what like do you see like distinctions between oh, the two i mean of course like the maintenance stuff has to be done too but there will be very minor compared to those bigger things uh you know funerals happen like just unexpected you know, people pass away um, and preparing for that. Also just praying for the family, comforting them. Uh, of course, that's, that takes priority. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, I guess, yeah. I mean, basically yeah, there are levels to, to everything. Yeah, unexpectedness. And right. on the fly, you kind of have to prioritize because there's only so many hours in a day. Mm-hmm. right um and so many hours in a week there's so many things that you can do as one person yeah and so uh being able to have the discernment to prioritize what's uh, what should take precedence over some things not yeah. that the other things uh aren't important but there are some things that are more urgent i guess right. it might be a, a better way to put it um so there are all these things going around uh going on in the background of ministry and uh, kind of like going back to what what you said earlier i I've had people ask me like, so what do you do like during the week? Cause they, they think like, you know, you just, uh, you know, preach on Sunday. So what do you do Monday through Saturday? And lo- so when I answer that, they're just like surprised cause they didn't know like all these things are going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's another um, thing too, I guess. Like, right. Even uh, like a couple of weeks ago, actually, like some of the little kids at our church and they didn't mean, you know, they just don't know, mm-hmm. but they're like, so like, what is your job? And I was like, I was like, what do you mean? I was like, what do you mean? What's my job? I'm doing it right now. Like, I'm I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, you get paid doing this? And I was mm. like, yeah, dude. Like, this is a full time job. And they had no idea. Mm. And it's because, you know, hopefully, I hope that you know this actually maybe uh, not enlightens, but uh, uh, reveals, you know, the um, an appreciation, right, uh, of of ministry. Not mm. not for our sake, but just so that you know people uh, don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. But uh. But yeah, like what I was saying about suffering, like, I don't know about you, but for me, I actually, um, I actually, <laughs> I actually believe, uh, personally that, um, I, it's weird. It might sound weird, but like for me, when unexpected, the, one of the unexpected sides of ministry is like I was saying, like the suffering and the harshness with the church. It, uh, for me, there is like, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like I enjoy when my, my sheep suffer, mm-hmm. but like, I actually, I find joy in, in ministering to uh, those who are suffering. Yeah. It's very hard, of course, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like, it's like, oh, it's, it's worth it. Is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Like, it's worth going through that kind of unexpectedness. Like my first year of ministry, there was just a number of, 
of, uh, of things that my youth was going through that like nobody at that age should be going through, mm. like the loss of loved ones and um, very serious like mental health issues. Mm. And, and like it broke my heart, but like, and it made me so physically, mentally tired, but like spiritually, like I felt so fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, God, this is why you called me. Uh, and so it was yeah. another layer to preaching and teaching and all that stuff, but that was worth it. Yeah. And uh, like, <laughs> and yeah, like that's why like when, uh, when I, sorry, but like, no, no, go ahead. that's why when like, like, I feel like that unexpectedness actually, and, and maybe to a fault, like it makes the other unexpected things, like it makes me more frustrated. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's in one sense justified, but mm -hmm. like, like, it's not that you're taking away time from preaching or anything like that, but like I've experienced like when, when ministry gets busy because my flock is suffering and that's mm. worth it. I'll stay yeah. up nights uh, to like sermon sure. prep if I have to be at like a congregant's house or the hospital, or whatever, whatever For it sure. is. But like all this happening on top of like these little things that you don't need a seminary degree to do. That's when I'm like, like really like, like even like when my congregants, my youth, they bring up like small things. Like it, it takes a lot of patience for me to be like, you know what, like your, your problems matter too. Mm -hmm. uh, even though their problems are like, oh, like this girl or guy, like I like them, but this other girl butt in or whatever. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like your youth is suffering. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But, uh, but yeah, it's like, you, you just struggle so much as, as, a, as a shepherd. Yeah, uh, I was just, while you're talking, I just, I just remembered uh, a couple, I guess, stories from like when I, uh, I guess kind of continuing from last week, how I ended up going to seminary in Raleigh and then serving the church there. Um, and looking back now, it could have been kind of a very shady looking, right? If people didn't know what was going on, they just saw, saw it without any background uh, knowledge of what was going on. But there was one of my youth, she was like a middle school, like crying in the girl's room, like girl's bathroom. Yeah. And like, she wouldn't come out. And I, and I, went in there there's no other girls i know it sounds very it could sound very shady because it's i'm there and she's crying but i had another pastor just kind of stand the door so she can kind of explain what's going on mm. but she was crying because um a keychain that she got uh it was i forget who gave it to her but it was very like a meaningful thing mm. but her cousin like broke it on purpose um and like she was crying because it was oh. from korea she couldn't get it and i you know i cried with her I was like, man, this, that really does suck. Like you, you, this is a very meaningful thing. And you know, your cousin broke it and I can understand you're, you're angry towards him and you're feeling sad because this of, you know, the sentiment of value that it had. And we were in there for a good, like 20 minutes just crying. Oh, wow. um, but looking back now, that was like me with no real experience, just going in there because I knew she was in distress. Right. But looking back now, it could have looked really bad from a bystander, right? Why is, why is she crying in the bathroom? Why is there an adult male in there with, mm -hmm. with her crying? But uh, there was an instance like that and uh, another youth just crying because uh, he lost his grandma who he was like, basically raised him because his parents both worked like all the time mm -hmm. and uh, she raised him and she passed away. And I really cried again because I remember when I lost my grandma. Uh, just we were in the hallway. It was like before service. I didn't care. I think it was like a couple minutes until service started. But I was in. I was just standing there, like just hugging him, crying with him. Um, so you, you get these things just all of a sudden. Um, but it's like like you said, it's it's a, something that I'm willing to do. Right. Because that's kind of the, I guess a little bit of what you expect when you first get into ministry is like, yeah, I'm gonna be a part of these uh, the, the the flock's life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to share in their suffering. I'm going to share yeah. in their pain. Right. I'm going to share in their joy. Uh, one of my youth getting into MIT, I was like really excited for him. Cause uh, I remember like one of the things that the senior pastor wanted me to do was like go on a, like an Ivy league school tour. I'm like, why? None of these guys are going to ever go into, get into one of these things. <laughs> I'm like, am I just like planning all this for nothing? And then sure enough, one out wow. of, yeah, one guy <laughs> went, into, went into MIT. But uh, when he got him, I was excited. Like, this is mm. exciting, right? Just getting to MIT, one of the top schools in, in the nation. He went to MIT? World. Yeah, he went to MIT. Oh, what, yeah. do you know what he's doing now? Uh, uh, I believe he's some kind of like, I think he was studying to be an electrical engineer. So something okay. kind of wow. engineering side. Okay. Um, but That's I haven't, cool. uh, you know, I've lost touch with him, but I just remember. Um, so even that, like, it was a lot of planning mm. 
good thing so about it. I had like like 20 youth kids with me. I drove the whole time. It was like two week travel. We went. Oh, wow. We two went weeks. to yeah, because we were starting from Raleigh. We went to like uh, UPenn. We went to Columbia. We went to Brown and Princeton, Yale, MIT, Harvard. Oh, wow. Like all these schools and like planning everything and like making them like it wasn't just a tour of by ourselves. Like you sign up for these tours and then you can like sit in on like a uh, info session, like Q and A. So they explain like what it takes to get in and like um, how you can I guess uh, how how you can make yourself look more appealing so that they would pick you. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff. So like a lot of planning the dates, uh, a lot of hotel reservations, like. Following the itinerary, and it's a good thing. Like no one ever got hurt, no one got yeah, lost. Praise God. Um, nothing. <laughs> we had uh, the first trip. We had another chaperone driving because we didn't have enough space in the in the car in the fifteen passenger van, mm-hmm. and he blew out his t- tire twice in that oh trip. Oh my god! So we had to like we had to make time, but like we had to like obviously we can't go because we had to like pull over, have his tire like changed out. <laughs> I felt so bad for him because like. It happened twice in one, one trip. Same um, tire? Or? No, no, two oh, okay. two different tires. Right, so <laughs> we had to stop twice. Uh, but thankfully, everything went fine. But all these little things, I know like the the youth who are going, they don't think much. They're like, oh, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. Uh, but if you think about it, there's a lot of playing that, that has to happen and everything has to kind of go right in order for you to, you know, have a successful trip. Yeah. Um, but I remember back, yeah, that was like, I don't know how I did it. I don't think I could do it now. At how the, old were you? At I time? was uh, like 30, oh, okay. so like 10 years ago. I see, yeah. wow. Um, you just gave Oh, no, no, not age, 30. Right? Shoot. Okay. <laughs> like 20. Oh, wow. 26, 27, oh, something. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah. That's like, so a little bit older like than you. Age. Yeah, yeah, a little wow. bit older than you. And, and like uh, I did this two summers in a row. Oh, you did? Yeah, really? two summers. Because, uh, again, wow. Senior Pastor wanted this to kind of be like a vision trip to get their eyes open. I mean, North Carolina has good schools. They have UNC, they have Duke. Right. NC State is okay. You know, it's pretty good. And mm-hmm. you got Wake Forest. Uh, but he wanted them to kind of like open their eyes, get a different perspective. So go on these like Ivy League school tours. Um, and I, I did the same thing when I went on the West Coast. We went to like Stanford, um, UCLA, UC San Diego, like UC Berkeley, different schools. Mm-hmm. The same idea. Uh, but yeah, again, like, you, all the all the planning that goes into something like that or even like mission trip and, yeah, and like right. retreat planning you know you, you know, oh my gosh there's so much that goes into it that people don't realize a lot of prayer of course too right you don't um, you don't have to um but like that's what i was going to bring up next one of the things like intentionality like mm-hmm. people don't think about like you're like you're talking about and you're illustrating through your examples like how much planning goes into ministry mm-hmm. like you have to it really refines you mm-hmm. in the long run but like I'm the least organized person like that I know. Like I don't like to organize things. I don't like to plan ahead. I just like to kind of go with the flow. And mm-hmm. I'm a very like go with the flow kind of guy, very relaxed. But like you can't be like that in ministry. Yeah. Right? Like either God sends you somebody who is as a spouse, or like you have to just stop being lazy and mm-hmm. you have to start organizing because you gotta start thinking about uh things and people other than yourself. And mm-hmm. and if you're not like me, it's it's very hard because like you gotta think about like smallest of details mm-hmm. like you know the kids allergies or um oh yeah that's huge. yeah like it's it's huge like you gotta think about so many different things and like um and so yeah retreat planning is like ridiculous <laughs> like you you plan like you got you gotta reserve a year ahead of time um you gotta you gotta start planning like months in advance you gotta find yeah. the guest speaker uh you gotta think of a theme you gotta you gotta be intentional with the schedule if you give right. if you give the kids a bunch of uh, free time like so you kind of you gotta you gotta pack the schedule right yeah and so it's it's uh i mean it's it's rewarding i think uh, the fact that that ministry is so unexpected i mm-hmm. think is what makes it so enjoyable mm-hmm. yeah i think even before my ministry before i got called into ministry i told one of my friends like uh whatever it is that i end up doing it's got to be like it's got to be a ride right mm-hmm. it's got to which is where like my my nickname came from jsk ride but but like I don't want to be doing the same thing nine to five. I don't want to be yeah. sitting in an office. It's got to be different every single day. Yeah. And that's literally what ministry is. Like, it's yeah. just different every single day, every week. Um, like, you and I, like, talked about before, like, we plan out our weeks ahead of time, and it never goes to plan, like, ever. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so even, the, like, day by day, yep. you plan, you're like, okay, today I'm going to get these things done. <laughs> 
but stuff happened like uh people need help of course i'm willing to help anytime um but yeah a lot of unexpected things happen mm-hmm. uh, so then you gotta make up time to make up for the lost time right mm-hmm. to do the things that you want to get done yeah but yeah a lot of playing does get uh, does uh it does require a lot of playing to do different events right a lot of admin um, things there's a lot of admin things there's a lot of um like uh, we mentioned errands earlier but at a previous one of our previous churches like i was going to like uh, i was in nova and i'm going to to driving to like uh, silver spring maryland to pick up christmas tree <laughs> that someone bought because we need it for church and you know and we're like a trash can, like an industrial sized trash can that we can use in the in the cafeteria area uh, or like lights um, at some auction. I didn't even know. But we had a deacon who was really uh, knowledgeable on like where to find things for like cheaper price. Mm. Uh, there are like these there's these places where they're going out of business. So they auction stuff off. Oh, well. Wow. And we needed like stage lights, blood lights, different kinds of stage lights. And she's like, oh, I bought them. You just have to go pick it up. It was in D.C. That was like an all day thing because oh D.C., gosh. you know. A lot of traffic and then we have to like find parking and then going in there uh the parking was so far and me and the, no. the other guy that i went to we had to, to make carry? multiple trips oh my god like, we bought like 16 18 lights and we're just like carrying two at a time we're just like going back oh, gosh, that's crazy we had to take out all the seats of the 15 passenger van so that we could fit all that and then once we got back unload everything and then put all the seats back which is right you know, if you've ever taken seats out of a 15 passenger van, it is um, it's tough. It's not a very fun thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, a lot of those things too. And they'll be just, I had no idea that I, that would be happening that day, but I get a call. It's like, hey, you have to pick it up today. So then I had to, you know, go up and do it. But again, like through all of that, uh, I really believe like God was training me. Hey, this mm. is how you can serve and love the church. It's not, you know, all about the flock, which is, you know, of course the, the big bulk of it. Right. But even these, in these small things, uh, even things that people won't, they, they're not going to ask, Hey, where did we get this trash can? Like, oh, we got a trash can. Nice. Or where do you get these lights? And no one's going to really ask. There's, they're just going to notice new lights. But, right. but even in those things, uh, am I going to do it with a joyful heart? And mm. I think that's what God was been training even still. Right. That's, I think that's a lifelong training. It's like how much, you can humble yourself yeah, to do these menial things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and are you going to do it with the joy in your heart? Um, and that's one of the ways I feel like I've been stretched. There, you get stretched a lot in ministry. Um, one of the ways is doing these menial tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So <laughs> I guess for those who are interested in ministry or were ever wondering what pastors do, on top of all the normal sermon prep, teaching, Bible study stuff, uh, like calling and checking up on people. Yeah. Uh, you have these uh, events to plan and you have all these unexpected little tasks to run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, I remember uh, when I was commuting to this current church from Fredericksburg before I moved up, it's like an hour, right? So I remember I went up, I drove an hour. So I, I had to do morning prayer. So I wake up at like three forty-five, right? And then <laughs> leave leave at like 4 15 right so that i can get there by 5 15 to get ready for 5 30 a.m service and so after having led the service i drove back i just got home and i i was gonna take a nap because it was monday i was very tired i just laid down and i got a phone call saying hey uh can you go to springfield because uh, uh someone's mom passed away you got to go oh, care man. for them like we have no other pastors because the the other two pastors were busy doing other things and i just yeah. said okay let me change and i just changed got back in the car went the hour up uh but you know like it was a chance for me to meet it wasn't um so the the mom that passed away was our you know church member mm. but her sons didn't go to church so this was a chance for me to meet uh her oh, wow. sons uh kind of comfort them also talk about the gospel uh, talk about faith. Um, yeah. And to this day, I'm still praying for uh, the, the, the two. Uh, she had two sons mm. who aren't, uh, who aren't churchgoers, who aren't believers. Uh, but those things can happen. You know, you just got to just on the fly to be able to um, go out. And when people need help, we, we got to be there. You know, that's a big part of ministry. Yeah. You know, all these unexpected things. If, if Jesus the son of God humbled himself to take the form of a servant, right? Then mm-hmm. it's only fitting that, you know, shepherds yeah. are called to serve. And so like things like, I think people, there's a verse in scripture, 
uh, in the book of Acts where Peter says it's not right for uh, us to uh, dedicate ourselves, I'm paraphrasing, but dedicate ourselves to the serving of tables, to serving tables uh, and give up um, preaching and teaching the words of God. I think people take that uh, out of context and they, they misinterpret Peter's in, uh, intention. I don't, Peter wasn't saying that, you know, we're above stacking chairs mm-hmm. and setting up tables and serving and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's not what Peter was saying. Uh, I mean, you look at Paul, I mean, he, he worked for a living so that, you know, he wouldn't hinder the churches. Yeah, tent maker. So, yeah, he, he made his own mm-hmm. living. Not always, but uh, so that he wouldn't hinder the weaker in faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did that. Um, there is no such thing as part-time ministry, right? Yeah. There's very, very much a such thing as a part-time pay <laughs> when, it <comes> to, <laughs> when it comes to ministry. There is no such thing as part-time. You don't clock yeah. out uh, being a pastor when it hits, right. when it hits 5 p.m. Right. You got, you're always on call. Mm-hmm. You never know when someone's going to text you or, or call you because something's up. Right. Uh, but that's, you know, it's a joy to serve, be able to serve and be able to have that relationship with your, with your, with your sheep. Yeah, exactly. You know? The more so, humble, you know, more, more, uh, more chairs you stack, the more humble things you do as a pastor, mm-hmm. as, as opposed to exalt yourself. Yeah. That's, that's jewels in the crown. Right. Like, uh, I really believe the Lord delights in, in, in the humble. Yeah. Especially for those of us who are pastors. Yeah. Um, and it's not even just like things that happen to our flock uh, that get in the way or like even these miscellaneous things, like things happen to us too, right? Like yeah. as soon as like, just because we become pastors, it's not that, it's not like we cease being humans and life right. stops for us. Right. Yeah, like you were saying, like your grandma passed away. You remember, you remember that. I remember like my grandma passed away like on a Saturday night, which is when our youth, uh, youth gathers. Mm-hmm. She passed away that day. Um, but then I had to go and preach that Saturday night mm-hmm. and word spreads fast. Like mm-hmm. somehow my youth found out. Mm-hmm. But like I was trying to be focused and maybe I should have, you know, kind of been a little more vulnerable, but you know, I remember I had to go there and, and everyone was like watching me and side eyeing me because mm-hmm. they knew, but I didn't know they knew. And so like, I was just very down and mm-hmm. uh, very serious and solemn the whole time. And, but like, that's the unexpected too. You know, like yeah. you, uh, life hits you uh, and you, you still got to keep going. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, as pastors, like it's so key to stay rooted in the word and have your time with God. Because yeah, your own life, there's a lot of things that happens in your own life too. Plus, uh, caring for what happens in the lives of your flock, right. plus what happens at church, mm-hmm. all these things going on. It's so easy to get lost in the busyness that we don't take the time to uh, get our spiritual food in right. every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of, uh, it is it is hard, but it's so essential for us as pastors too, to stay in the word. And we can't yeah. just tell our congregation, mm-hmm. hey, you got to stay in the word and not do it ourselves. Yep. But uh, it's since like burn out. Yeah, since yeah. ministry is hard, since all these things happen, like we have to stay. There's yeah. like no other like <laughs> it's the only thing that's kind of keeping us going, right? Yeah. Is being fed spiritually, hearing hearing God's word, reading God's word, allowing that to kind of sink in and to give, give us the strength to for that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's huge. I can't, you know, go without that. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of pastors say the same thing. That we what keeps us going is just being in the word, God giving us that strength for each day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I had, um, like I said, I was at a, I was at a retreat this past weekend. Mm-hmm. There was actually two, uh, not too much younger than I am, but uh, young. One was college, one was post college, like recently post college, a recent grad, and they were both thinking about going to seminary. Mm-hmm. And I, I was able to talk to them, and I'm actually thinking about sending them this link actually and letting them know. Uh, just give them a little further insight. But back at the retreat, I was just kind of encouraging them to to pray. Oh, yeah. Uh, because like, I was telling him like, dude, ministry is hard, man. Like it's not, uh, it's not what people usually expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but like pray about it. And I was encouraging them because they, they actually seemed like they were genuine and they were mm-hmm. praying about it, thinking about it the right way. And I was like letting them know like, yeah, if God calls you, man, like great, like go for it. Uh, but I usually don't push people to like pursue ministry unless they're convinced they're called. Mm. Um, and a big part of the reason is because it's a lot more than just uh, what people think. It's not, it's not that glorious. Um, it's a very yeah. humble, humble it's, life. It's a lot of, hum- a lot of uh, humbling experiences. I mm, think sure. it's just by design, yeah. right? God wants to humble you, like mm-hmm. humble uh, his pastors, his, you know, because uh, he can't use a proud person. He yeah. really can't. You yeah. know, the Bible... I, if 
if anything, I'll say God hates the proud. Mm-hmm. That's what it says. Uh, yeah, He hates the proud uh, because the proud won't ever seek God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for believers too, but I think more so for pastors. Right. A lot of things happen in our life to humble ourselves so that we can't help but come to God. Right? That's so like that's so telling because like I feel like a lot of pastors who struggle with the humble life and being humbled as pastors, like they, I mean, we see like celebrity pastors that, um, that like don't want to be humbled. Mm. Um, but like, actually, like if you look at what Jesus says, like not just for, for pastors, but for Christians in general, like if it, if it's true that those who are humble and those who are being humbled and disciplined and are those who are really following in the footsteps and ways of Jesus, then like we should actually be happy mm. uh, about that suffering. And, um, and so I guess I would even go as far as to say, like, as pastors, like, if, if we're not being humbled, we should really, like, take a, take a step back and go, okay, like, what's happening? Yeah. Like, like, am I getting prideful? Am right. I pursuing money and fame, my own recognition? I was actually reading and leading uh, some of my students uh, in, some of my kids in Acts 20, uh, 25 to 30, 38, and was talking about Paul, Paul was saying bye to the Ephesian elders. And he was saying, like, uh, be very careful um, for amongst you guys, you guys will raise up wolves and you guys will become wolves, mm. uh, false shepherds, bad shepherds that, that want to, um, accrue like followers after themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that's not, you know, I think that, I think that's another unexpected thing for, for being pastors, like the temptation, mm-hmm. the temptations that actually are exalted in your life. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very real. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So hopefully this offered a little more insight into what pastors do. Or for uh, some of you maybe who want to go to seminary, maybe it'll, it'll give you a more, a little, yeah. more realistic. Hopefully it, didn't, it doesn't discourage you. From right, right. Because it's great, really. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right, from mm-hmm. uh, like no, 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 no joke. Um, like yeah. it, it is, there's nothing else I'd rather do. No, no. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. Uh, yeah, every we, little we were even saying like, yeah, like we were even saying like, uh, we were having lunch with the staff and we are talking about how if they offered X amount of money to move churches that we all said we wouldn't take it uh, um, because it really isn't about the money. It's the joy of, you know, the relationships we build with the flock right. and investing in them. Like we pray for them every week, every day. Right. Um, and like, um, yeah, it's not, it really isn't, that's not, that's not why we're in it. Uh, and yeah. so, and I meant it too. Like we were talking about like big numbers and I was like, nah, I don't think I would take it. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but yeah, I meant it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that that just goes to show, like ministry is is uh is beautiful. Um, it is. But yeah. It's just not what you guys are expecting. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think um, you know, that offers some insight to our viewers and listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and moving on, I actually found an interesting headline uh, today. We're just scrolling through the news, but uh, the South Carolina Supreme Court actually upheld the state's uh, heartbeat abortion ban. So, um. As soon as a heartbeat is detected in a baby, uh, abortion is illegal. And they say that's usually around six weeks into the pregnancy. This is South Carolina? South Carolina. South Carolina. And obviously, like, we believe it should be from conception. As soon as you're pregnant, you should not abort. But, Hmm. you know, the world is not, (laughs) the world, you know, isn't following God's God's word, right? Mm -hmm. But it was encouraging to at least know that it's going in the right direction, right? Six weeks into pregnancy, as soon as there's a heartbeat, uh, no abortion is, is, uh, is allowed. Uh, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, yeah, it's, it's headed in the right direction. Um, hopefully it keeps going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I was, Years ago, I was talking to my friends who were very hesitant on, you know, whether they're pro-choice, pro-life, um, but they were bringing up, you know, the claims, you know, the, uh, the reasons to support pro-choice, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that you normally typically hear. But like, mm-hmm. we concluded with like, at this point, like, honestly, if you, if you do enough research and you listen to enough debates and whatnot, I think the debate is over, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it, it really does come down to... Um, like what, like abortion is, you, you got to call a spade, with a, a spade a spade, like it's, it's murder, right? Like yeah. even if they were somehow to solidify the, the stance that like, oh, like this isn't life, 
right? Like that's that's why they they always try to make that claim mm-hmm. uh, because like the whole like it's woman choice thing, like of course it's her body, right? But like that doesn't excuse murder, right? Mm-hmm. And so they have to come at the the debate from the perspective of you know is it life? Because they want to negate this idea of like oh abortion is murder, mm-hmm. um, but like even if they were to somehow say like oh it's not really deemed life yet then you have to i mean it's like it's just the ethics of it like it's about to be life it's becoming life and like you, you're snuffing it out before uh it becomes life or before the the fetus even has a choice or whatever it may be and like all their arguments are hypothetical mm-hmm. and like at this point like yeah i mean uh it's, it's something that it's one of the few things politically like you you were asking like should we uh like I found this article and like, it's not even a, it's not, it's not a political discussion, yeah. right? It's a, it's a moral and ethical, ethical discussion. And I think like the whole, uh, my body, my choice mm-hmm. is actually very false because yes, that, you know, fetus or baby is in your body, but it's not your body. Yeah. It has its own DNA, its own life, has its own heartbeat. It's its own thing. It's just in the woman's body. Yeah. So I find that argument to be to be, if I'm being just honest, this is garbage, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's just a way to kind of justify killing a human. Mm-hmm. Um, and other, you know, it is very unfortunate. Like sometimes this pregnancy happens through a very un, 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 unfortunate event. Mm-hmm. You know, a woman is like forced into it or whatever, what have you. Uh, but killing the baby should never be uh, okay because that baby, if you think about it, had no say in how it got conceived right yeah it's still life why should the baby uh die because either your mistake or some kind of unfortunate event that baby should still um live right mm-hmm. there's so many testimonies of uh women who faced that they were raped and they were really deciding between abortion or just having the baby and they had the baby and then the baby uh just you know came to be uh, a believer and like they're like really involved. They're they're kind of like they're really influencers in society, and they mm-hmm. share like you know I, I could have been aborted, but here I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every life, right, is God given. It's not our decision to end a life. If that if that you know makes sense, it's not up to us. Mm-hmm. Even uh, a, a recent study, I saw this recently, and I don't have the article to back it up, but you can look it up if you like. I don't I don't know if you've heard this before, but they found recently that. Most scientists up to this point, studies have, or like not studies, but like theories have proposed that like when, uh, like when the, you know, millions and trillions of sperms, sperm cells like attack the egg cell, that the fastest sperm that gets the egg usually is the one that goes into the egg. But actually recent studies have shown that this is false and that the egg itself, it secretes like a, um, like a chemical or whatever it is. It sends like a signal to a specific sperm and it's not the first one that reaches it and it allows that sperm to come in Mm. meaning the egg is basically in essence choosing which sperm Mm. to take in and like that's i think it's super telling right that it's not just random chance even even in in conception that god is out of millions of sperm millions of potential babies to be born god is choosing one specific so you were chosen Mm -hmm. right and so um yeah, it is like you were saying. Like it's it's unfortunate. Uh, like those those uh, those cases yeah. of, of of rape and and like we obviously were men, right? Like we we can't we don't have any say no. uh, in like how um how uh, tragic that is, and we'll never have to experience yeah. that. And um, I am in no way saying that yeah. it's an easy decision. I know it's. I, I, I know. Mean, yeah, me too. But I'll realize this. It will be a very hard decision for sure, depending on how mm-hmm. it is. But um. In the end, uh, in my opinion, a humble opinion, I feel like, uh, you know, of course, saving the baby. Right. Uh, you you establish first it's mm-hmm. murder. Yeah. Right. And then if you decide to to uh, go through with it, then like I think you have to at least, you know, you know, don't don't lie to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Don't 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 fall into this deception that like it's not murder, right? Mm-hmm. Like you establish as murder first, and then you have to weigh the pros and cons. Like mm-hmm. sure, like nine months of your life. It's not yours anymore, mm-hmm. uh, but it's nine months for a lifetime, an opportunity for this kid to to live and yeah. to meet its creator and to uh, experience love and um, be protected and provided for. And, and yeah. yeah, anything beyond that is hypothetical. And um, and so, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's very, uh, I guess, a tricky topic. But bottom line, actually, it's not tricky. It should be life. It should always be life wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like um, there, is, there aren't, I, I won't say like none, but there aren't many women who don't regret going through abortion. There's so many things I've, I've like so many YouTube videos and other things I've watched where Testimonies. they, uh, they regret it mm-hmm. like horribly. Like they cry for, you know, days and weeks, months because of that decision. Yeah. Um, so even if you do cho- choose abortion, it's not uh, a, an easy thing. They, they have this, they realize what they've done. Right. That's why. So it's all, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a tricky situation but in the end it shouldn't be because life should always take precedent yeah i think just my closing thoughts on this is like i understand the jadedness of Mm -hmm. like especially this generation towards like political issues Mm -hmm. but for christians whether you're a republican democrat like whatever right like Mm -hmm. at this point like i'm way past that but this is not again this is not a political issue this is something that christians all christians need to get behind right like uh, brothers, sisters in Christ, like just cross the board. Like if you if you are a believer and you believe that God is sovereign, like we cannot be okay with this. Right. right? This is this is the murder of babies, and like you can talk about you know woman, woman's choice, woman's body, whatever it is, but first and foremost, again, establish whether or not this is truly a sin or not, whether it's killing a baby or not, and and the science shows that this is this is killing a baby, mm-hmm. right? And uh, once we establish that, like as Christians, how can you, you know, be okay with this? Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I guess it's a step in the right direction. This um, six weeks into pregnancy, not being able to abort, but hopefully we'll get to the point where it's just from conception. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I guess uh, we'll, we have a um, very uh, well-known sermon illustration. Uh, PSK, if you want to just kind of give us a little background before we dive in. Yeah, I've used this sermon illustration before. Um, and I've obviously, I didn't say this was of me. Uh, I, I, I was, I disclosed that, you know, I, I found this sermon illustration elsewhere. I used, I'll talk about this afterwards, but I used sermon illustration for a different purpose, okay. which I actually believe is a little more biblical, but we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. But nonetheless, the illustration is, 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 is very powerful. Right. Um, this is Tony Miller. Uh, he is he's passed i believe Mm -hmm. um but he's a fantastic speaker from what i what i hear all right so yeah there's a picture in the museum in the louvre i don't know how many of you have been there the picture is called checkmate the devil's sitting on this side there's a chessboard and there's a guy sitting on the other side and the guy sitting on the other side has his hand on his head like this and he's like in desperation. I like his voice. And as they were taking a tour through the Louvre, there had been a group of, 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 of athletes and particularly ch- world champions that were being given a special tour. And in the tour was the world chess champion. And he comes walking by the picture. And the guy's explaining to him, this is a picture of an artist rendering of somebody who lost a battle with the devil. Mm. And so the group moved on to the next picture to see something else but the world chess champion he stayed there and he just kept looking at the picture and soon they noticed that he was not with the group man i want to be able to preach like this (laughs) such a good storyteller yeah are you are you coming he said well i've been looking at this picture and the guy said yeah he said it's it's called checkmate the devil's laughing the man's lost And he said, yeah, he said, I've been noticing that. He said, but while I've been standing here, I've kept looking at the picture. I've got got a problem. And he said, well, what what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I'm a a world champion chess player. (laughs) And I spend my life playing chess. And normal people don't always see what a world champion chess player sees. He says, but when y'all walked off, I looked at the devil laughing, and I looked at the man in desperation, but he said, I noticed something on the chessboard. He said, either they're going to have to change the painting, 
are they going to have to change the name? And the guy said, well, why are they going to have to do that? He said, well, you know, I'm a world champion chess player. <laughs> and he said, when I observed the board, I found out the king still has one more move. Mm, wow. I come to tell somebody today, you believe you've been cornered. You believe everything is gone and nothing has got any hope. But the king still has one more move. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. I yeah. tell you to declare it. The king has one more move. He has one more move over mm. my finances. He has one more move over my marriage. He has one more move over my kids. It is not over. All right. That is the wow. illustration called Checkmate. Very powerful speaker. Mm -hmm. I think he was going, uh, his message, his application of this illustration was, the king has one more move. I love how he brought up in the fullness of time, he, uh, God sent his son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's perfect. And then I think, not that he's wrong, but uh, he said, per se, but he says, the king has one more move over your finances. The king has one more move over your marriage. The king has one more move over your kids, futures. Um, I agree, right? But that's not how I used the, the sermon illustration. Um, I used it simply to just illustrate that, that um, the magnitude of the fact that when Jesus died, everyone thought it was over. His yeah. disciples, they thought it was over. They were, they were discouraged. They were confused because yeah. they, were like, they were like, I thought Jesus, Jesus and Jesus was going to take over the world. Like right. what happened? Right. Um, and then God shows, no, the king still had one more move. And yeah. um, that's what I used it for. Um, but, but what are your thoughts on the... Yeah, I agree. I think that's the overall big picture is it comes to salvation. Mm. Um, and like you said, the disciples were confused. And what did they do? They went back to their old way of life. They all mm. went back to being fishermen. Yeah. Jesus finds them there, right? Once right. he was resurrected. And then they see that Jesus is alive and that, you know, changed their life and, the Holy Spirit imparted on them and they, you know, uh, did a lot of, um, they shared the gospel and they really started a church and they built, you know, spread God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the proper way to look at it because, you know, like finances, all these things, worldly things, like ultimately in God, it's not that important, right? right? So, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it it, it is like, uh, I guess it kind of inspires hope. Mm -hmm. It gives, I, I get why he was saying that just to give right. people who are going through a hard time hope because mm -hmm. uh, I've come to realize hope is such a key ingredient. If someone does not have hope, uh, there's just, they have no reason to live. Like yeah. they just feel like life is over. Mm -hmm. They have nothing to look forward to. Um, but to encourage them, I guess using this, this illustration, but I think a more powerful illustration is just that about salvation. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, Satan really thought he had won when he crucified Jesus, right. but turns out uh, that was all part of God's plan. Mm -hmm. And another thing is, I guess it can kind of dangerous, dangerously seem like Satan and God is that close, mm -hmm. where to where to where he has like one more move left mm -hmm. that like he barely <laughs> escapes. But that's not how it like. Right. It's not even close, right. right? Satan has to do, he's under the sovereignty of God and has to do what God tells him to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but I get, I get the illustration. I think it uh, can be very powerful. It is, it's a powerful, it is powerful illustration. Yeah. I think when it comes to salvation, like, like we said. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it's okay to give that application, but I think yeah. he, sh I don't know how he ends it, but mm -hmm. it seems like this is concluding. Mm -hmm. But the, the message should be, the final finale, the conclusion should be he had one more move over the grave. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, he has, you know, he's opened up the way, right? Yeah, he's Salvation. overcome sin and death so right. that we can be saved. And right. I think that's that's the the punchline. Mm -hmm. If you do a little more yeah. research on this painting called Checkmate at the Louvre, I don't even know if it's at the Louvre anymore, but uh, I think the painting, the artist, he he drew it in that manner on purpose. Like he mm -hmm. gave the king one more move mm -hmm. uh, to, because he was a Christian and he wanted to illustrate this mm -hmm. uh, this message. And I think this illustration was taken it went went viral and mm. many pastors just throughout have been using it um but yeah i just thought you know it was, it was a it's it's cool it's cool nonetheless and yeah, i think he's, he's is, a fantastic sure. speaker obviously yeah, for sure um but yeah that's tony miller all right i guess um if you haven't done so already like subscribe and comment and share
We received some questions, uh, which we'll get to mm-hmm. uh, probably next episode. Uh, and yeah. I don't know. Leave more. We, we might have to do a PSK commercial reaction. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Only one person or yeah. two has, yeah, has uh, only a couple has called for it. So we'll see. But it's still up there. If people still want to <laughs> like and comment and, and say, hey, let's do a PSK commercial reaction. We, we might do it for an, a later episode. Man, my face is going to be red the whole time. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I guess that concludes episode seven. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And I guess we'll see you you next time. All right. right. See you guys. Bye.